Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. Well, I'm enjoying this series through Galatians because there's so many great things we get to deal with. And, and the constant theme throughout this book is don't give away your freedom. The freedom that God has given you when you pray to receive Christ. And so we're going to continue with that. And we're going to start, uh, actually, we're going to back into two verses that Jeff dealt with, with la- uh, last week. Jeff did a great job uh, when he brought the message last week. If you hadn't heard that, go online and you can hear that. And uh, we're always thankful for those who are joining us online for this service. So Galatians chapter 3, we're going to go to verse 23. Before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, so that's after Jesus died, was buried, and rose from the dead, then a way of faith was available through Christ. So before that... Paul said, we were placed under, under guard by the law. Now, the law, he's talking about the Old Testament rules and regulations. Um, and he has said many, many times, the, the law cannot save you. And one of the things that he is battling with some bad theology are those who are saying, yes, you pray to receive Christ, but you need to also do these other things. You need to keep the law. You need to be obedient to that. And, and so Paul is saying, when Jesus came, all of that changed. He said, because reality is the law basically put you in prison. It imprisoned you. He said, you were under guard. That's a prison. You were under guard by law. We were kept in protective custody, so, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed in Christ was the revelation, the revealing of that. Um, protective custody. So under guard gives the idea that you're in prison. Protective custody has a different idea to it. And uh, we're going to see, he's going to expand on that later on. So we'll wait to talk about that one, but it's real important to see that. And, And so basically he's saying only a personal relationship with Jesus, not religion. And the law was a form of religion only a personal relationship with Jesus unlocks the door of the prison that the law keeps you bound up in. Paul says in verse 24, let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. So now here's where he's getting to the other idea of this protective custody. Um, If somebody uh, young their father passed away, he had no parent, then the estate would be his, but he's not capable of managing that. He's too young. So he is a custodian is placed over that child. And the custodian manages the estate, but also manages the child until that child reaches the age of adulthood and or whatever age the the father set aside in the will and then that child would then have authority over the estate 
So Paul said the law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. So the law protected, but the law could not make you right with God. In the Old Testament, their faith is what would allow them to be able to have a relationship with God, but it's a relationship with Jesus Christ that really changed everything. And and so God put the law in place as a protection, but also to make you realize you need something. It, It was like a mirror that showed you just how badly you needed a savior. You needed the Messiah. And and so whenever you look at the law, the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, all the rules and everything, you say, nobody can keep up with this. I mean, they had over 600 rules just on how to keep the Sabbath. There was no way you could keep up with that. And even today, some people are trying to live that way. Uh, They're trying to live by the law. And you always wonder, how's that working for you? I mean, how, how is that really working for you? We're going to Israel in um, less than about 50 days now. Uh, we're taking a group. There's 31 of us going from the church to Israel. And um, one of the things that happens on Sabbat, which is their Sabbath, starting Friday evening and then all day Saturday, they, um, in all the hotels, they have what's called the Sabbat elevator. I think I've told you this before. And basically that elevator stops at every floor all day long. It just goes up and down, stopping at every floor. That way, uh, a Jew who is following the rules doesn't have to push a button to get on the elevator because that's making an electrical connection and then they'd be breaking the law. They'd be breaking their Sabbath laws. So um, they just get on the elevator, and if they're going to the top floor, they just wait, it goes to every single floor. Now they usually just designate one elevator, so that's good. And one time I forgot, and I got on the Sabbat elevator, and I realized, oh my, what, we, what have I done? And it was a very tall hotel, so I got off the next floor to get on regular, elevator. So I got on the regular elevator. And, um, so the, the person, some Jewish individuals came in and, um, with me and they, they, uh, didn't speak English, but they pointed and they, you know, were saying, will you push that button? And, you know, I'm looking at them saying, so it's okay for me to go to hell, but you, you know, just as long as you don't have to, <laughs> and I busted out laughing, and they busted out laughing, and they're still were fine with me going to hell. So, uh, <clears throat> but they, that's how serious they would take it, and they still do. They still take it very serious, uh, even today. And, and I'm so thankful that when Jesus came, he set us free from that, because he did for us what the law cannot do for us, and what we cannot do for ourselves. So in verse 25, here's what he says. And now that the way of faith has come, Jesus, we no longer need the law as our guardian. 
For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> now, don't think for a second he is saying you don't have any rules anymore. Uh, you know, the Bible gives us re ways to live. It says a lot about sexual Im impurity. It says some things about how you're to treat other people. <clears throat> it says a lot about how we're to li live as believers. Excuse me. I got something caught in my throat. And um, <clears throat> so he, um, he's not saying, oh, you can do whatever you want now. He's not saying that at all. He's not even suggesting that. What he is saying is all those Old Testament laws, all those man-made rules, they don't mean anything anymore. They're not going to save you. And it says in verse 27, <clears throat> and all who have been united in Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. <clears throat> now this baptism in Christ right here, he is not talking about water baptism. He's talking about what happens spiritually when you pray to receive Christ. When you pray to receive Christ, a spiritual event happened. And he refers to it as baptism. So the moment you pray to receive Christ, spiritually, you were crucified with Christ, you were buried with Christ, and you were raised from the dead with Christ. And so you had a spiritual baptism right then. Later, you did a physical baptism, which was symbolic. That means it represents what happens spiritually. <clears throat> now, there are a couple of denominations who take this verse and say, you cannot be saved unless you're physically baptized. And, and, and they actually do that. You pray to receive Christ in a service, you're baptized immediately in that service. And, and I was talking to a pastor one time who believe that. And I said, so let me get this straight. You get saved on Sunday morning and you're going to have a baptism that night. He said, no, we do it right then. I say, well, let's just say you had a baptism that night and the person is driving home <clears throat> and they get killed in a car wreck. What happens to that person? Oh, they don't go to heaven. I said, really? <clears throat> you sure about that? And they, and they refer to this verse. I said, well, what if I told you that verse? That's, that's, not, that's not what that verse is saying. That's talking about a spiritual baptism that happens. That you're united with Christ spiritually. And it's as if you were crucified on the cross and you were buried and you were raised from the dead. And then the water baptism is just the public confession of that. Now that's what this verse is saying. So... Now, some of you, we got a baptism coming up in August for the, at the lake. Some of you, you've already been spiritually baptized, but you've not been baptized by water. So be really careful. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but I would encourage you to follow that. Not that that's going to save you, but rather that's your public confession to everyone. You know, a few weeks ago, I interviewed two guys, two of our students, <clears throat> one who uh, <clears throat> helped lead the one to the Lord 
and he was the first believer in his family. You remember that? <clears throat> and then he was baptized. He, he wanted his public baptism <clears throat> to be an opportunity to witness to his family. So that was his public confession, his public testimony to his family. And, that, and that's what we're doing. That's what it's all about. So if you've not been baptized yet, now would be a great opportunity to do that. And I want to encourage you about that. Verse 28, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul is not denying that there's different races and there's different social uh, rankings. There, there, there is male and female. He's not saying that, <clears throat> that that doesn't exist anymore. But here is what he is saying. When it comes to who you are in Christ, status means nothing. Race means nothing. Who you are sexually means nothing. Because you are in Christ. There's no hierarchy in Christ. You are part of the family. You're adopted into the family. In fact, adoption... That means someone who was biologically born to another is now part of a different family. Many of you are adopted. Many of you have adopted children. We have several in my family. Verse 29, he says, And now that you belong to Christ, you are, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Now, that's an interesting statement. I'm sitting there going, wait a minute. Abraham's the father of the Jewish nation. I know I'm not Jewish, so why do I care I'm part of Abraham's family? Until he said that part about the promises. You see, I, I'm not a physical child of Abraham. I'm not in that lineage but I'm a spiritual child of Abraham. And here's why that's important. <clears throat> God made some massive promises to Abraham. And because I'm a spiritual child of Abraham, those promises apply to me and apply to you. In fact, I'd encourage you to go and read what some of those promises are. It's pretty cool. And you're in on that. I mean, that's a whole sermon in itself. But this is how important this is about what Paul is saying. He says, you're, you're in on the biggest promise that there is. Now, in verse 1 of the next chapter, he says, now, he said, think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up even though they actually own everything they fought their father had. So we've been talking about that and how they put a custodian over those children. And, and so it's like, he said, that's kind of the way the law was. It was a custodian over you, <clears throat> but you came of age and that's when Jesus came into your life. In verse two, he says, they have to obey their guardians until they reach the age, whatever the father said. And that's the way it, it, the way it was with us before Christ came. We are like children 
And we were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. So that was bondage. We were held in bondage. So I don't know about you, but I am so thankful we're on this side of the cross of Jesus. I'm so thankful for that. But here, here, here's some differences. Even though we're not under the old stuff, some of us go back and put ourselves under it. Let me keep going with this and let's paint a picture. Verse 4. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. It was all on God's timing. He He sent Jesus right when he wanted to. Born of a woman, that was very important because that shows that Jesus was fully human. Now, why was that important? Because if Jesus was going to be qualified to be the sacrificial lamb, he had to be tested. He had to be tested. And so in order to be tested, he had to be human because the Bible says God cannot be tempted. God cannot be tested. He cannot be tempted. So Jesus had to be human so he could be tempted. Now, those of you who think that you can earn your way to heaven by being good, which means you never make a mistake, only Jesus, out of everybody that's ever lived or ever will live, only Jesus was able to pull that off. He never sinned. Now, you would say, well, he was God, so that's not a fair statement. No, but he was also human, and he was tempted. And it was real. It was very real. So much so, well, he was tempted the three times in the wilderness that we know about. He was tempted the night he was arrested. And he was tempted to walk away from the whole thing. He was human, born of a woman. But he was also born of the Holy Spirit. He was born of the Holy Spirit, so he was 100% God. He was qualified to die on our behalf. Verse 5, and God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. So he did all of that so that he could adopt us. So now here's the deal. You and I, before we became Christians, we were actually sons of Satan. Really, we were. I mean, the Bible says we were enemies to him because we were sinners. And sinners are children of the enemy of God, Satan. But when we pray to receive Christ, we became children of God. And the only way we can go from one to the other is through Jesus. So it's, it's like this. <clears throat> when, when I soloed from flying, 
they have a little deal where they cut the tail off your shirt. I was 16 years old, and when you land, then all the other students and pilots come up and they cut the back tail of your shirt off and then they sign it and they say first solo on it and then tail number of the airplane you were flying. And that's framed and it's up in my office. And, uh, but for some reason I decided to keep the rest of the shirt. And now you remember that was when I was 16. So 50 years ago, 52 years ago. And, uh, so that, shirt been hanging in my closet forever. And, and every once in a while, Mary would say, don't you think it's time to get rid of that thing? And I said, what are you talking about? You know, there's, there, we got new drums up here. Mary got those drums when she was 12 years old. Now I've never suggested she throw them away. Okay, that, that's different. I know that's different. Uh, but that is cool that Mary played on those drums when she was 12. But anyway, this shirt, the, the difference is this shirt was nasty and it smelled. <laughs> and uh, so finally when we moved, we downsized last year, and I got to that shirt in my closet. I said, yeah, this thing's pretty rank. It's time to get rid of this. The most important part's hanging in my office, so I threw it away. And there were a couple of times I thought about going back to the trash and taking it out, <laughs> but I didn't. So here, here's, here's the reality. Before you were a Christian, your clothes, you were dressed in old, nasty clothes, just nasty. And the Bible says when you became a Christian, when you accepted Christ, Jesus brought you before his father who then adopted you into his family and he took off your old nasty clothes, your old sin life, and he clothed you in royal garment. And, and in between, he washed you, he cleaned you. I mean, he did that with the the blood of Christ, and it, it made you perfectly clean. And so we're dressed in this royal garment now, spiritually, and, and yet our old family, Satan and his crowd, they, they entice us. And they entice us with our old clothes. Uh, don't you, you, you know how shoes are? You, you have to wear them a while to break them in and then they get really comfortable and then they wear out and you just can't throw them away because they're so comfortable, <laughs> but the, they got holes in them and they're falling apart and you find, but they're just so comfortable. That's the way sometimes you feel about your old life, your old sin nature. And so there's something that draws you back to that old nasty clothing. It just because it felt comfortable to you. And I, I don't care how long you've been a Christian. You can be a Christian for decades. And there's something periodically that will draw you back to that, those old habits, that old sin nature. And it's amazing. You, you could do well for years and then wham, all of a sudden you go, why did I do that? I thought that was a done deal in my life. 
And God's got this royal robe for you. I mean, he's, he's got this new clothing for you that reminds you that you're one of his kids. You have his inheritance. I mean, the only inheritance we have with Satan is death. That's the only thing he can promise you and keep that promise is eternal death. That's it. But over here, I've got eternal life and I have a reason for living. So I got to quit wanting to go back to the garbage and pulling out those old clothes. I need to burn them. And so often I think we struggle with that, with that old stuff. And we get in bondage to that. And Paul's saying, hey, you've been set free. Don't put the chains back on. So every once in a while, you know what? Like I told you, Jesus was tempted. And you know how he always resisted temptation? He quoted scripture. That's how you do it. You need to find whatever it is that you deal with, your old sin nature, whatever that is that gets you, you need to find a verse that deals with that issue. And and you need to memorize that verse so that whenever Satan takes an old ratty piece of cloth of yours and dangles it in front of you and say, you remember how comfortable this was? You remember how much you enjoyed this? You quote scripture. You know, um, the only piece of the only piece of weaponry that God gave you is the Bible. It's called the sword. And if you try to fight Satan with anything else, he's going to lay you flat. But when you take out the sword, God's word, <clears throat> he cannot resist that. He cannot fight against that. He runs from it. So pay attention to this. Whatever it is you struggle with, and every one of us has it, find the verses that deal with that issue or the principles that deal with that issue. Write it down, memorize it, and then every time Satan drags out something from your burn pile or your trash pile of your past, you quote that scripture, and he'll, he'll walk away. He has to. Otherwise, you'll find yourself taking off your, your royal garb and putting that old nasty shirt back on. When I, when I grew up going to church as a kid, I mean, we went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and I enjoyed being at church because that's where a lot of my friends were. And, uh, and I thought, I'm a good person because I go to church three times a week. Although I didn't like going Sunday night because that's when Bonanza was on. And I thought to myself, man, if I was ever a preacher, there'd be no Sunday night church. But then Bonanza went off the air. And back then we didn't have VCR or a way to record it. And I just, you know, and I'd be sitting up 
at church on Sunday night thinking, what is little Joe doing this week? I hate, you know, what's happening at the Ponderosa? And then I have to talk to my friends at school the next day to see what happened. And, and then I convinced myself I'm a good person. I'm a good person because I keep the rules. And I was, I was really confident. And then one day when I was in high school, somebody said to me, they said, Don, you're, you're just cocky. I went, what? What does that mean? They said, you know what it means. You're cocky. And I said, is that a good thing? And they said, no, it's not a good thing. I said, well, I don't want to be that. <laughs> and, uh, and I started trying to figure out, well, what, what does that mean? I said, well, that's not a good thing. And they said, yeah, you're overconfident. I said, well, confidence is good. They said, yeah, but you're, too, you're confident in ways that you don't need. You're cocky. I said, yeah, you said that. Quit saying that. <laughs> I, you know, they said, yeah, but that's what you are. And that rattled me. That just so rattled me. I still remember that conversation. I remember the guy that said it. I remember him laughing at me. And I was like, because I didn't know what it meant. And then I was getting flustered with him. And then I started realizing, maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was. Oh, I'm living under the law. I'm trying to save myself. In fact, the word we're talking about today, you know, going through the nine fruit of the Spirit is the word goodness. <clears throat> and when I was thinking about that word in Galatians 5.22, for the fruit of the Spirit is goodness, I realized, you know, Jesus said, nobody's good. The only way there can be goodness in me is that it comes from someplace else. And it's certainly not going to come from Satan, so it has to come from the Holy Spirit. And it just started hitting me. I started realizing, and say, Don, you're confident because you think you're good, and it's made you cocky, and you're, you're none of those things. You're not good just because you go to church three times a week. You're not good. That's why my son came to die for you. So now I have God's goodness in me. Not mine, because there is none to have. <clears throat> and it makes me wonder... It makes me wonder about two different groups of people in our church. It makes me wonder about those who have never taken off the old trashy clothes that are worn out. And, and you've not accepted the garments that's royal priesthood, part of the royal family of God. And you've not accepted Jesus yet. You're still trying to you know, come to church and be good on your own terms, thinking that'll be enough, and it's not. In fact, you're just pretending to be a child of God when you're really still a child of Satan. In fact, the Bible says you're an enemy of God. 
And the only way I can stop being an enemy of God is by having Jesus in my life. <clears throat> Some of you need to change that. And the only way to do that is through Jesus. The only way. Now, there's another group of you that I can really relate to. Every once in a while, you want to go back to that old clothes, pile of clothes, and you want to grab that favorite thing in there, and you want to wear it a little bit. And then as soon as you do, you feel horrible, and you feel bad, and you feel like, oh, I, I thought I had overcome that. God hadn't kicked you out of the family because of that. You see, usually when a Christian starts messing up, the first thing we want to do is run from God. Listen, God has not kicked you out of the family. He still loves you. He absolutely loves you. And he wants you back in right relate fellowship with him. He, he wants to help you get rid of that old clothing stuff and put back on that garment. And, and see, Jesus doesn't die for you again. He doesn't have to. It was a one-time deal, and it's done. You don't have to pray to receive Christ again. You don't have to be baptized again. You just get back where you belong. You come back home. So whether you're, you're listening online or you're sitting in here today, What's, what, what position are you in? If you want to settle it, I'm always here at the front. And I invite you to come and let me just pray with you. Or you come and pray on your own. <clears throat> just let's pray and settle the issue about Jesus being your Lord and Savior. Have that spiritual baptism right now. Or get back where you belong back where you're adopted into God's family. And let's pray about that old habit that has snuck back in. Let's pray.